Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey y'all, it's Brittany here. And you know I believe that everyone should have access to the healthcare they need at the moment they need it. Well, this episode of Undistracted is sponsored by Hey Jane, a trusted virtual clinic offering safe and private medication abortion care right from your home. At Hey Jane, you won't be stuck with long wait times for care. You'll be able to consult with the provider within one business day, and you'll have access to their compassionate clinical care team who can text, call, or video chat with you throughout your treatment. At Hey Jane, your FDA-approved medication is mailed to you in discreet packaging at a cost you can afford. Learn more about all the care they provide by visiting heyjane.com. That's H-E-Y-J-A-N-E.com. Hey, y'all. Surprise! Now, I know y'all are like, girl, where you been? I know. (laughs) I know. Listen, Undistracted is on hiatus right now, and we are working so hard to set up a beautiful season three for y'all. But in the meantime, we're coming back to you with something pretty special to hold you over that I think, I hope, will keep you undistracted. The coming days mark a somber and admittedly infuriating anniversary. It's been one year since the Supreme Court of these United States handed down a decision that changed millions of people's lives. After the landmark decision that overturned Roe versus Wade. Overturned Roe versus Wade. The super conservative majority voted to overturn Roe versus Wade. And ended a woman's constitutional right to an abortion. The ruling reverses a nearly 50-year-old precedent. Taking away what was regarded as a fundamental right. Attacking the essential freedoms of millions of Americans. Now, if you're new here, welcome. And know that we talk about abortion a lot on this show. Like, a lot, a lot. Because it's a medical procedure that one in four people will have in their lifetime. Because we want to help break the stigma. And frankly, because I figure that if we all know how we got here, then maybe we can claw our way back to something better and never, ever return here again. And well, where's here? In the last year, 14 states have banned all or most abortions, and about nine more are trying to do the same. Forced birth is on the rise, and with it, so is maternal mortality. So, especially on this anniversary, we're going to talk about it some more, and we're going to talk about it with somebody who has the power to do something about it. We are headed toward a huge election. 2024, maybe you've heard of her. And yeah, they're all huge these days. But this one, this one is coming after an unprecedented rollback of modern rights. I mean, they are trying to ban books, black history, trans kids, and bodily autonomy all at the same time, and they really thought we weren't going to notice. Anyway, after kind of a slow start talking about it last summer, the White House has been putting abortion more front and center. And one person there is talking about it in particular. 
How dare they? How dare they tell a woman what she can do and cannot do with her own body? How dare they? Honestly, Vice President Kamala Harris is exactly the person I wanted to talk to on this anniversary. She's been crisscrossing the country, speaking on the issue, and hearing from those who've been most impacted. Patients, providers, and families who've been forever changed by an anti-abortion agenda that means all of us harm. So I sat down and asked her. I wanted to know what she thinks about the state of emergency we're in, what Washington plans to do about it, and how we get our country on the right side of history in 2024. Hello, Madam Vice President. Hello, Madam Patnet Cunningham, (laughs) perfect person. How are you? I am very well. I am very well. (laughs) So for our listeners, I've been in conversation with you a number of times before. I'm actually thinking about three years ago on Breonna Taylor's birthday. And then I had the honor of going to Ghana with you and a cohort where, by the way, thousands and thousands of people, especially a lot of women, waited in monstrous heat for hours to hear you speak at Black Star Square. The last time we were together, we were in the motherland. I know. And it was, wasn't it extraordinary? I was there and I'm so glad you were able to join because I really do strongly believe we as Americans really ought to see and understand and fully maximize the relationship between the United States and Africa for so many Mm -hmm. reasons that has everything to do with intertwined history, of course, but also the median age of the continent is 19. Mm. And when you think about that, and then you couple that with the fact that by 2050, it is estimated that one in four people occupying space on Mother Earth will be on the continent of Africa. That's right. How could we not look toward Africa in terms of thinking about the importance of strengthening the mutual investment in our future? And so I was so glad that you were able to be on that trip. We are excited about that progress and that partnership. And yet and still, we are fighting big fights on our own turf. If I take a 50,000-foot view of the moment, you signed up three years ago really to help the country begin to recover from four years of an extremist presidency. And from the people who want that power back, we're now seeing and suffering from I believe, a really three-part attack on freedom, right? So we've got an attack on voting rights and democracy itself. We've got an attack on truth. I mean, book bans are happening in 2023. And we've got an attack on our bodily freedom, from anti-trans laws to the overturning of Roe versus Wade almost exactly a year ago. I mean, honestly, to paraphrase, it's like everything everywhere all at once. So um, I'm really just, I'm honestly wondering, like, aren't you mad? Because I'm mad, so I know you got to be mad. Well, I'm deeply, deeply um, concerned. I, you know, mm. I, I would say troubled, but that doesn't really uh, measure up to how how concerned I am about where this is all headed. You know, I think about it, Brittany, this way. Um, you rightly articulated a lot of the issues, which are about long, long, hard fought, hard won battles to expand rights, to expand civil rights, human rights that are being full on attacked. There is a a national agenda to attack these hard won rights. And first of all, I'll say that it is my strong and deep belief that the strength of our nation has been 
a, a function of our realization that an expansion of rights is about strengthening our country. And now we are seeing a full-on concerted attack to restrict rights. Mm-hmm. And that is part of what concerns me deeply. And I think about it in the context of, hey, everybody got to be really clear about this moment. Be very clear-eyed about this moment. And you cannot be passive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of those two frogs. You know, the two frogs in the two pots. So <laughs> for, your, for your listeners, here it goes. So there are two pots of water and two frogs. And in one pot, you put the frog in the water and you slowly turn up the heat. And that frog's just hanging out as the heat just slowly gets hotter to the Mm. point that that water starts to boil and that frog perishes. In the other pot of water, you first turn up the heat real high. The water's boiling. You drop that frog in, he'll jump right out. Mm. The lesson there, as far as I'm concerned, don't be that first frog. I mean, because the heat is hot, right? Especially when we think about abortion specifically. One year ago, the Supreme Court published those fateful words, the Constitution does not confer the right to an abortion. And since then, we've seen practically a daily reel of horror stories, right? People miscarrying, people being forced to carry babies that can't live, and doctors who will go to jail for doing their jobs. I know you've been traveling all around the country and meeting with some of those patients and some of those providers. Is there one particular story from those conversations that really is sticking with you? Well, you've, you've mentioned a number of them. Um, There is the story, for example, of Amanda, who I spent time with. She was experiencing a, a miscarriage, went to the hospital and was denied treatment. Went twice, denied treatment to help her with what was she was experiencing, which was a miscarriage. And finally, when she developed sepsis, did they finally admit her to give her emergency care? She could have died. And what was this a result of? This was a result of the people in that facility not sure whether to provide her with emergency care, by the way. Yeah. That's just one example. But you know, you know my background, and my background as a prosecutor was mostly focused on crimes against women and children, with an mm-hmm. emphasis on cases like rape and 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 child abuse. And let me tell you something. The thing that I know is that there are so many stories, Brittany, that you and I are not aware of. Yeah. People are privately and silently suffering, suffering and alone. In an environment which has now not only lacked compassion for their needs, not to mention their right to make decisions about their own body, but in an environment that also is heavily weighted with judgment that is made to make her feel as though she has done something wrong. And you couple all of these things together, and I think it, again, speaks loudly to the fact that we all must stand up and say, we are not having this, that we are not going to allow this, and that we are going to fight for the right of every person to make decisions about their own body and not the government making that decision for them. So let's talk about some of that fight. Now, we know that the people have been organized and protesting. I want to talk about what the government can do. Congress could 
passed the Women's Health Protection Act, which would, of course, make abortion a federal right. And a majority of the country supports that. But it doesn't actually seem like that bill would make it through a Republican-led House. And if by some miracle it did, it would be blocked probably by a filibuster in the Senate. I think a lot of us are having trouble seeing it. So in your view, what is the urgent path to victory? Well, to your point, ultimately, we need a federal law that reinstates the protections of Roe v. Wade. Because when that happens, we will get rid of these various laws that are being passed in states that, to your point, criminalize health care providers, literally jail for a doctor or a nurse, and these laws that, that deprive women of, of the ability to make decisions about their body. We need a national law. So how do we get there? Well, here's how it works, as we all know. The people who pass those laws at a federal level are members of Congress. We need to have members of Congress, the majority of Congress, who agrees with the freedom and the rights of women to make decisions about their own body. And when we have that majority in the Congress, we can pass a law that puts these protections back in place. That's ultimately what we have to do. And so that's about elections. That's about who we elect to the United States Congress. We've got elections coming up not very long from now. Um, Pay attention to that. Pay attention to who is your local prosecutor if you live in a state that is criminalizing health care providers. Pay attention to who is in your state house. Because right now, since the Supreme Court took away the right, it has gone to the states and state legislators are the ones who are either standing to protect those rights or attacking those rights. So there's a legislative pathway, and that one might not come as urgently as we want. There's also a legal pathway, because even medically necessary abortions, as you spoke about, are being criminalized. Last summer, the federal government said that doctors and hospitals needed to follow federal guidance that requires if a pregnant person needs an abortion for an emergency medical reason, like a miscarriage, the doctors have to provide it. So the administration, the government, has filed lawsuits to enforce that. As you mentioned, you are a prosecutor. The courts really are your lane. Will we see more of these lawsuits? So you are right that the U.S. Department of Justice and through our Health and Human Services Division are enforcing and making clear that under, it's called EMTALA, and it's basically the law that says you can't deny, it's an acronym, emergency medical care, but it basically means nobody should be denied access to emergency health care. Right. So what we have done is make clear in terms of the law and our 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 ability and also our preparedness to take on these cases where there's a violation of the law, meaning where there's a denial of giving somebody access to emergency health care. People who self-manage abortions are under threat as well. A lot of our abortion rights friends in the streets are reporting back to us that in some states, police are going as far as arresting people who are using abortion pills to end pregnancies. What can the federal government do to stop that activity? Well, again, one of the things that we need to have happen is we need folks to be able to know that there's a safe place for them to report these cases so that we can build up the cases to go after people who are abusing the law. And that is something that a lot of the nonprofits are doing and some of the work that the Department of Justice is doing. Sure. So we've talked about the legislative angle, the legal angle, the federal angle. 
There's also a messaging lane here. You've been pretty forthright about using the word abortion, which friends of this podcast like Renee Bracey Sherman remind us is necessary to remove the stigma from a procedure that one in four birthing people will have in their lifetime. Why is removing that stigma important to you? Is that work you're going to take on even more? Well, here's the thing. Abortion is is a subset of a bigger stigma, which is about judging women for their sexuality. Mm-hmm. Judging women as though their predicament is somehow the result of bad behavior or irresponsible behavior. Not only is that woman in a situation where she may not be able to afford to go to a state where abortion is legal. She may not have child care because the majority of women who receive abortion care are mothers. She will be suffering and suffering alone because the environment around this discussion has made her feel somehow as though she should be embarrassed because she has done something wrong or is about to do something wrong. So part Mm -hmm. of what we have to do is in this conversation, reach out all of us in every way we can to let folks know you are not being judged. You are not alone. There is nothing about you that has done something wrong. And we want to protect you and your rights and your freedoms. Because ultimately, again, this comes down to the fact that these so-called leaders, these extremist so-called leaders are taking rights from people to make decisions about their own body. You'll remember years ago, Brittany, when I was in the United States Senate and asked somebody, can you tell me of any law that tells a man what to do with his body? Oh, I remember. So let's be clear about what's happening here. And ultimately... It's not only an intellectual discussion. It's not only about what's fair, what's unfair. It really is about the fact that every day in America, people are suffering needlessly, Mm -hmm. and it is wrong. It is wrong to say that after somebody has survived the crime Mm -hmm. of violence that is rape or incest, Mm. where there's been a violation of their body, that after she has survived that, we are going to continue to deprive her to make decisions about the autonomy of her own body. Mm. After that, think about how immoral that is. How these same people who beat their chest about their law and order and they want to keep people safe, they say they want to keep mothers and babies safe. Well, how about the fact that you're depriving someone who has survived a violation to their body, depriving them of the ability and the freedom and the right to make the next decision about their body. That's right. I got to be honest with you. I I feel like I'm getting some of that judiciary hearing Senate fire from you today. We heard it when you were down in Memphis with the Tennessee Three. Those were some of your most viral moments, even before stepping into the White House. I remember you trying to hold back Justice Brett Kavanaugh from helping the Supreme Court make the hard right turn we've now all witnessed them make. I imagine that that fire is necessary for the work you've chosen to do in your lifetime. And I also imagine is different as vice president. Have there been moments in your vice presidency that have sparked that fighter instinct? Because... I'm curious about how you decide when to show it and and how to show it. Well, there are times where 
I may show it, but you may not see it. (laughs) (laughs) Real. Do know that. Uh, That's true for everybody. Um, But, you know, one example to your point was Tennessee. And, uh, you know, I watched what happened with the Justins and Gloria, the Tennessee Three that night. And I was just so incensed. And I have other words for it, but, you know, I'm going to just be polite. And um, we'll be a family podcast today. It's okay. Exactly. (laughs) And and so I, I went down there the next day. And you're referring to me speaking at Fisk at the chapel? Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the idea that these leaders, and in particular the two Justins, elected leaders in their 20s, who were in a chamber that they had been elected by their 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 constituents to be in, to be the yeah. voice of their constituents. They're in that chamber during what should be a debate about a very important issue, which is the, the state of gun violence in America. And it's not even as though it was a metaphor or symbolic. Brittany, the, the, these people literally turned off their microphones. Literally. They, they literally turned off their microphones. You know, we talk about, don't try to shut me up. <laughs> mm-hmm. They literally turned off their microphones. And mm. you know what I loved about it? Because they were like, all right, anybody got a bullhorn? <laughs> Listen. We're going to find a way. That's what we do, right? Especially when the fight is necessary. And especially when there's a party so committed to stripping us of the freedoms that we've been fighting for generation after generation, right? Meanwhile, if we look ahead to 2024, that same party is running 10 candidates for president, And four of them are people of color. I mean, let's be honest, like the Republican Party, Republican voters themselves are not 40 percent people of color. But this candidate pool is, if I'm honest, I think they are in part running with you in mind and want to signal that this party is welcoming to people of color, despite their policy standpoints. How are you thinking about that ahead of next year? Well, I think of it in a in a number of ways. I mean, back to the the point about Tennessee. Understand that there are the, these so-called powerful people, these so-called leaders, they're literally trying to shut up dialogue and debate. They're literally trying mm-hmm. to shut it down. You look at it in terms of what's happening in Florida, where they're trying to shut down conversations about the importance of diversity and mm-hmm. equity and inclusion, literally trying to turn that into a pejorative the way they tried to turn woke into a pejorative. That's right. I mean, understand what's happening. They're trying to shut down these topics. They're trying to say that for you to raise issues like equity, like let's call it, let's talk about pay equity and the fact mm-hmm. that women make 80 something cents on the dollar and then black women make 57. They're trying to shut that down. Like, They're atrocious. Yeah. But, but the, the point has to be we will not be silenced. We will not be deterred. We will not be afraid. And we will not tire. And we will not tire because they're trying to wear us down when it comes to using our voices with authority to talk about the importance of equity, the importance of fairness, the importance of freedom. Mm. And so that's how I think about this moment. I'm not thinking about any one of them in particular because I really more am focused on what's happening in terms of the patterns we are seeing. 
And this is one of those moments where, you know, listen, born out of patriotism and love of country and a belief in the founding principles of freedom and equality, we all have to stand up and fight and say, mm. we're not having this. It's so fundamental what we're fighting for right now. Before I let you go, as I hear you talk about the fight that we are in, that you are in, I got to tell you, I'm thinking about your mother. I'm sure you have been too, very frequently. She was, of course, a scientist, a breast cancer researcher. Given what she did, who she was, and what she taught you and your sister, what advice do you think she would give you? I mean, especially as a woman who believed in science and quality healthcare, what would she say to you? as we, as you fight this fight? She would say, keep fighting and, you know, and don't give up. Uh, You know, that was the way she was. And that's the way she raised her daughters. And that's how she approached life and her work. Fight for the dignity of all people. These are the times where we cannot sit back and be passive observers because we got to understand there's too much at stake. Madam Vice President, thank you so much for your time. We here at Undistracted are, of course, grateful to you and looking forward to seeing what you all do next. It's so good to be with you. Thank you for your voice and all that you do. Now, a quick break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So y'all, do you know that only one in three adults in the U.S. have heard of medication abortion, even though it's been FDA approved for over 20 years? The folks over at Hey Jane want to change that and make sure that everyone knows about this safe option for reproductive health. So they've started the Unwhisper Network, a virtual community for people who are passionate about expanding abortion access. They'll email you a monthly toolkit to help spread the word to your friends, your family, and your community. If you want to get involved in building a trusted network for people seeking abortion care, you can join for free at heyjane.com slash action. That's heyjane.com slash action. Now, back from the break. Y'all, we all got to have that fighter instinct. It is probably the only way to exist in a world hostile to the idea that you or I might have final say over ourselves. This fight is not for the faint of heart. Nothing worth having really is, especially not rights for marginalized people in a society that fiends for white supremacist patriarchy and feigns equality at its best. The vice president says she navigates that fighter instinct daily. And while we keep holding Washington accountable, we also gotta love and support one another. We have to be as subversively creative as our ancestors who knew that putting the Freedom Railroads underground and creating that covert collective known as Jane was the very least we could do to secure access to the birthright of our agency. 
no matter the risk. It is that dramatic. It is really that serious. And now is the time for us to make the right kind of history. So while we mount pressure for legislative and legal solutions to come urgently, we also save ourselves. If you or someone you know needs safe information on how to access an abortion, visit INeedNA.com. That's I-N-E-E-D-A-N-A.com. If you can donate to abortion funds monthly or if you yourself are in need of those funds, visit abortionfunds.org to find your local one. If you've seen or experienced medical providers refusing to perform emergency abortions, report it at cms.gov to help the government make its case in the courts. And if you are ready to tell your abortion story, help fight the stigma with our friends at wetestify.org. Now, in this episode, we talked about victims of violence and people who were experiencing severe medical emergencies. But let's be clear. Any reason you choose is reason enough to have an abortion. 100% of those reasons are valid and 100% of them ain't anybody's business. Especially not Uncle Sam's child. He can't even fix his own tax code. We deserve agency and autonomy over the only thing that is truly ours. The bodies we call home. And on this anniversary, if we can even call it that, well, I'm thinking of everyone who hasn't had that. We love you. That's it for today, friends, but never ever for tomorrow. And catch us real soon for season three. Undistracted is a production of The Meteor and Pineapple Street Studios. Our lead producer for this episode is Dina Kleiner. Our associate producer is Mary Alexa Cavanaugh. Thanks also to Tara Abrahams, Pedro Elvira, and Raj Makija. Our executive producers at The Meteor are Cindy Levy and myself, and our executive producers at Pineapple are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. You can follow me at Ms. Pacchetti on all social media and our team at The Meteor. Subscribe to Undistracted and rate and review us, everybody, on Apple Podcasts or literally anywhere you get your favorite podcast because this episode will be back on Spotify. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being. And especially today, thanks for doing. I'm Brittany Packnett Cunningham. Let's go get free.